0: I am a Deacon here at MPI, and I just wanted to testify to you guys about how good God is. You know, this week I was thinking about, you know, what can I testify about? Um, I was I was just going through the week and thinking like, man, you know, being a downer, like nothing good's really going on in, in my life right now. Like, you know, my family's been having just hard times, and man, like, what's good? What What good news do I have to share? But if you are somebody that really, really... Uh, believes the word of God and, and loves and follows Jesus, you know that there is always something good to talk about. And that is the fact that because Christ died and rose again, I have new life. And I know that sounds really corny and cheesy, but when you really have that revelation again, fresh, you can be excited about your life. You know, I am, I am so grateful and thankful because I can make it through each day because christ died for me i'm new creation i'm new i never have to go back to my old life you know before i was saved i had no hope for my life and for my future and now i do now i have a family that i'm thankful for now i have a husband i have all these great things that god has blessed me with because i let him into my heart and i chose to give everything to him So I wanted to just um, give you a a scripture to encourage you guys. Um, This is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So just let that encourage you guys this morning, you know, that you have new life in Christ, and you don't have to go back to your old life. So I'm just going to pray for this service. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you died, that you came down as a man and you died for us, and you rose again so that we could have new life, Lord. Thank you so much for this church, and I pray that you would move in a great and mighty way in this service right now, Lord. Touch hearts, Lord, and just do something new today. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen, amen, amen. Good morning. Happy Easter Sunday to everybody. Why don't you look to your neighbors and say, happy Easter Sunday? He's risen, Come on. And isn't it a beautiful time this morning when the weather's getting nice? Just in time. And we're celebrating, we're remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that he's dead, but he's alive in heaven, amen. Amen. This first song is called The Time and The Time Is Coming. When an appropriate song, amen. The time has come for all of us as a church. Come on. Everyone in your seats, standing up, come on, To worship the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. Put your hands together this morning. Come and sing it out. I fell in love. Every voice. Here we go. I fell love.
2: Beyond all reason. You gave your life your all for me. And call me Lord's word. The word for pardon. The mercy for life. Found no, oh, found life, found no oh, life. The like me life. Well, Motion tell us, come. And the time has come. A stare for all we believe in. It's sinner for one another. My praise to you we oh, sing it out. Well today, today it's all or nothing, all the way. My praise goes out to you, and yeah, all oh, my praise goes out to you. We we'll sing it out this morning. Today, today I live for one thing, to give You praise with everything I do. And yeah, all oh, my praise goes out to You. We'll oh, sing it out Beyond all reason, you gave your life, your all for me. And call me yours forever. The mercy I've brought in. i in the mercy for life. I found love, found life, found all I need. You're all I need. The time has come. The time has come. I stand for all we believe in. So i for one, I'm gonna give my praise to time you Oh, time has come, stand for all we believe in and So i for one, I'm gonna give my praise to you Jesus, when today, today is all or nothing All the way, my praise goes out to you all my praise goes out to You. Oh, today, today I live for one thing—to give You praise in everything I do. And all my praise goes out to You. All we are, all we are, is Yours. All we're living for is all You are. All That You Are All We Are resource All We're Living For Is All You Are Is All That You Are All We Are resource All We're Living For Is All You Are Is All That You Are oh all we are is yours All we're living for is all you are It's all that you are The time has come to stand for all we believe
1: in do you believe it this morning? So now for one,
2: I'm gonna give my praise to you, Jesus Sing it again Oh, the time has come to stand for all we Come on, right now so I'm one, I'm gonna give my praise to you Jesus, when today, today it's, it's all or nothing All the way, my praise goes out to you shout, now my praise goes out to you Quotes am strength, today, today I live for one thing. To give you faith, everything I do but all the praise goes out We'll give him a hand up of praise in this place today. You hey. on, we be stuck You're alive. You're alive, Lord. This
1: next song is called "Amazing Love," and, and some of you may know it. And man, we just try to pick songs this morning that bring us back to Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? Come on, with all eyes closed in this place, let's not wait for this next song or anything in that matter, for that matter to get us close to Jesus. The Bible says this. It says, all who are thirsty, come on. All who are hungry, Lord, He says, come. And Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. If you're alive and you're not dead. And there's power in your name. God, there's victory in you. So, God, we come to you this morning. It's in that name that we praise. It's in that name that we meet. It's in that name that we have family. It's in that name that we live. Come on, church. We bless your mighty name.
2: And I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were condemned, and I'm alive, and when your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. Come on, everybody, sing it, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, I'm accepted work and do, because I'm alive and well, the Spirit is within me, because you died and rose. My King would die for me. Amazing love, I owe it to. Jesus and you Church, right now is your time to worship him right now. Come on, hands lifted in this place. He's alive this morning. Oh, and because he's alive this morning, you're alive. Come on. Can you worship him this morning? Is he worthy of your praise? Come on. Oh, we join the angels in heaven and we sing of your goodness, Lord. We sing of your life. We sing of your power. Oh church would you join this morning Oh
1: defines us, that you being a king would humble yourself and come from your throne in heaven. Oh, God, that you would leave your glory, God, that you would put that to the side. And God, you would take on flesh. And God, you would die. And God, you would die such a brutal, excruciating death, all because of your love for us. It's because of that. Oh, it's because of that this morning, church. That we sing to a God who is not death. We sing to a God who is alive. We sing to a God who can understand what we go through in life. And I don't know about you, but that gives me a reason to praise God this morning. It gives me a reason to praise God it gives me a reason to shout it gives me a reason to sing it gives me a reason to keep on pressing on
2: it gives me a reason not to quit it gives me a reason this morning oh come on church let them fill you with joy come on and lift your voice this morning come on does Jesus give you a reason this morning we worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. We sing it from our hearts. Oh, you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, there's no person like you. There's no person like you. Oh, we sing the Spirit this morning. Because you're alive. Oh, we sing the Spirit this morning. O sol é na massa Seu power come the power O sol na massa O na O Senhor O que você, guia o sol O sol
1: This morning, church, that His Holy Spirit can speak to us. God can speak to us this morning, Amen. And we're gonna just allow Him to just use people, Amen. So if you feel you have a word of the Lord this morning to encourage the body, Amen. Right now, just go ahead and speak it out. Be let of the Lord. Oh Jesus. Spirit. such a good God come on those words we know what that was doing that was just pointing us back to Jesus that's pointing us back to Jesus come on not a not a performance not anything that we can do it's back to Jesus and the cross and he's alive this morning church come on let's just focus our hearts and our minds right now God come on if you need to come to the Lord in repentance that's a good thing oh because he gives you life Come on, if you just want more of Jesus this morning, that's a good thing because he's God. Come on,
2: we turn to you, Lord. We turn to you, God. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. the foot of the cross I am accepted by the power of your love my every stain is washed away and I am forgiven and we'll sing that again
1: this morning and I am Sing. and I will say for you alone,
2: have rescued this life, and Jesus, you have set me free,
3: and you alone
2: took away. Forgiven. I am forgiven. Time for being at the foot of the cross. I am excited. We'll sing it out by the power of your love. My every day is a while. So, wait. And I am Now I look for the one who is calling me by name. And with his risen and alive in me. Put every voice, I am forgiven. Hallelujah, Jesus.
4: Lift up your hands all across this room. Let's sing this one more time. We are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. It's only by the blood of Jesus we come to the foot of the cross for redemption, for new life. It's because of Jesus this morning. Come on, if you believe that, sing it out. Say, I am forgiven hallelujah jesus we worship you we bless your name this morning hallelujah we thank you jesus for the cross we remember the cross
2: this morning we remember your death burial and resurrection
4: have been forgiven hallelujah Jesus we thank you for the cross and we remembered we remember this morning the sacrifice the price that you had to pay to give us life and we say thank you this morning say thank you to Jesus this morning for the life that he's given to you we're gonna prepare to take communion together as a church family as the ushers make their way down the aisles, I want you at this time to search your heart. And if you are not right with the Lord, I ask you to take a couple of moments right now to ask him to forgive you of your sins. If you've never been to church before and you've this is your first time here with us, I encourage you, come to Jesus. Ask him to take away your sins, to make you white like snow. And during this time as elements are being passed out I want to encourage you to take the wafer and drink the grape juice in remembrance of the body of Jesus and the blood that he shed on that cross do it together as a family if you are here with your husband and your wife turn to each other spend a couple minutes with the Lord and remember his sacrifice for you if you're here with your children gather together with them and do this with them as we sing amazing love as we sing that song praises unto the lord let's remember him this resurrection sunday amen because every day to us as a believer we celebrate his resurrection and we remember we remember the sacrifice that he paid for us hallelujah you may partake at any moment as you get it and then once you are ready please stand up to your feet we're going to worship the lord together amen Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you
2: for your forgiveness. I'm accepted. You were condemned. And I'm alive when Spirit is within me. Because you died and rose again. i forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted you were condemned. I'm alive. I'm alive and well. Spirit is within me because you died. you are finished partaking of the elements,
4: please stand up to your feet with us and let's worship the Lord together. Because he died and he rose again. Lift up your arms all across this room. He was bruised for us, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him.
2: He died and rose again
4: so that we could have life, life eternally with him. We thank you, Jesus, that you were condemned and we were set free. We thank you for our freedom.
2: Hallelujah. Let's sing that again one more time. Amazing love. Amazing
4: all that we do we honor you Jesus hallelujah Jesus we thank you for your presence in this place we thank you for making salvation attainable for us your children and we not only remember you today on resurrection Sunday but every single day of our life we thank you for coming and for taking our place on that cross for suffering the death that we should have suffered and rising again to bring us life we thank you for the freedom and for the redemption in Jesus mighty name and everybody this morning say amen and amen praise the Lord this morning give him a shout give him a hand clap he is alive he is a God that hears us that cares for us we worship you King Jesus, you are good, and what you do is good. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, shake their hands, and at this time, as you find your seat, we want to dismiss the children, the king's kids, kindergarten through 10 years old. You can find your way to the back towards the sound booth, and the children's workers will take you to the back, and you will learn about Jesus and the power of his might. Amen. Amen. It's so good to have all of you with us this morning. It is our honor to be here with you today. As you give out your last hug. How many are, are you? How many of you are excited to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping with the body of Christ? Amen. Welcome to Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wairostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And I'm going to preach to you today the gospel message. If you can turn with me. In your Bibles, to Luke nineteen ten, the reason why we can celebrate His resurrection, the reason why we partake of communion, it's not because it's just something to do out of religiosity. The reason why we can do this is because He came for us. In Luke chapter nineteen verse ten, if you're there, say I'm there. For those of you who have turned with me in your Bibles, it says, "For the Son of Man came to seek and save." The lost, the son of man, Jesus Christ, 100% God and 100% man, left the majesty of heaven to come down to this earth, to take our place so that we could live for him, so that we could be born again, saved from our sin. Mankind was lost. We needed a savior because sin entered the whole human race and spread like a disease. And we were lost in our sins and our sorrows and our sicknesses. And Jesus Christ left heaven to come here to make a way for us. That is why thousands across the world today can celebrate Easter. It's not about the Easter bunny. It's not about eggs in a basket. It is about our King, our Lord and Savior, the creator of heaven and earth who the Sun moon and stars into existence he came and he took our place so that we wouldn't have to suffer eternity in hell without him so I'm speaking to you this morning if you are not right with God if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you've asked him to forgive you of your sin to come and live inside of your heart to be born again the Bible says that unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you know that is you this morning, and you've either A, never accepted Jesus, or B, you have backslid, you have turned your back on his commands, I want to encourage you to come back to him. And some of you may say, well, I'm not good enough. He could never forgive me. I've done too much bad In my life I have to go fix some things before I could come to the foot of the cross you're wrong the Bible says come as you are the reason why you are supposed to come is because you have done bad there is no one good the Bible says no one who does good all have gone astray come to Jesus this morning if you could please stand with me to your feet It is the sick it is the sinner that needs Jesus and that is for everybody so please this morning do not allow the devil to lie to you and make you feel like you're not good enough for Jesus or that you've done too much bad for Jesus to ever forgive you the blood of Jesus is enough for the sins of the whole world he died he came for the sins of the whole world and he wants to forgive you so please do not go these doors today without accepting jesus as your personal lord and savior because the bible says that you are not promised tomorrow and if you die without being born again without jesus being the savior of your soul you will spend eternity in hell my friends i say that with all sincerity and all humility it is not my opinion it is in the word of god if we leave this earth without being born again without the blood of jesus that was shot on that cross, covering us. We will die and go to hell. With all eyes closed all across this room, I want to pray. Because I feel that God is tugging on hearts this morning. And he's not going to force himself on some of you. He will not force himself on any of you. But it is the kindness of the Lord that will draw you to repentance. But if you resist it, he will not force you. So I want to pray, Jesus, right now, touch the lies and the hearts of people in this room that do not know you. I pray that hearts would fall into the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That hearts in this place would know that they are not right with the living God. That your word says that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That if we are not right without you, we will be cast into utter darkness. God, I pray for those that are not saved this morning, for those that are not born again, that they would choose you today, that they would choose life instead of destruction, that they would choose you instead of their own way. Speak to hearts this morning, Holy Spirit. Draw them by your loving kindness. You are a good God, and what you do is good. And we thank you for the power of the cross and the blood that was shed for the sins of the world. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen. If you prayed a prayer this morning and you asked Jesus into your heart, you felt the tug of the holy spirit inside of you and you know you need to get right i want you to please go to our prayer workers our elders in our church and dumberto my right your left they will pray with you after this time and if you want to get right with god you want to ask jesus into your heart please go to them amen hallelujah god is good we're going to transition this time we're going to say our confession of faith The reason why we do this every week is because we believe in the declaration of our Christian worldview. This is what we stand on as a body of Christ. If any of you in this place want a handout, a paper to read, please raise your hand. Our ushers will get one to you. Maybe the screens are too far away. You could just simply raise your hand, the ushers will see you. We're going to recite this together as a church family with excitement with passion, because we believe and stand upon these with all of our heart. Amen? How many of you guys agree with me? Amen. On the count of three, we're going to say it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah, we love you, Lord. Why don't you guys spend some time in fellowship if you need prayer, visit our workers, hang out and love on each other.
1: to make your way back to your seats getting ready for the rest of this beautiful Easter service and then just in case you're wondering as we're waiting for people to get back to their seats if you're wondering if we have Easter bunnies no we do not Praise the Lord. It doesn't make sense to me. Bunnies don't lay eggs, but somehow we make it work, and people get all this money because of all the kind of food and stuff they sell. Anyways, we've come here for Jesus. Amen? Come on. He's alive and well. Let's give Jesus a standing ovation. Come on. I think he's worthy. Come on. Stand to your feet. No, he's worthy. Come on. Clap to your hands. Come on. He is so good. Look to your neighbor and say, he's so good to you and to me. Come on, you can have your seat one more time, getting a workout here in church, standing up, sitting down, kneeling down, worshiping the Lord, because Jesus is worthy, amen. Every Sunday here at church, 10 a.m., you can count on it. If you ever think to yourself, man, is there not going to be a service ever until Jesus comes back and we're all in heaven or the rapture, okay? That's the only reason we're not going to have a service, y'all. But we love Jesus in this place. And especially, like, this is his day. He's risen every Sunday, 10 a.m. and Fridays, 7 p.m. Elevate! Amen. I am the youth pastor there. We're going to blow it up for Jesus. It was night, nice, rather, this past Friday. And we were able to bring out the hoops. And everybody was like, shh, 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 shh. You know, my man, my brother Steve, give it up for brother Steve, amen. He actually beat all the youth. So, guys, please come on out for all the youth, amen. We have a good time every Friday. Uh, So, some cool things going on here at the church. We have a new website. We've had Pastor Joan, Pastor Monica, and countless others um, help and, and, and build this new website. It's really easy to use. That's the thing I love about it. If you ever check it out, you can click, and the thing about this website, you find out things going on in the church, and you can share the information on a Facebook if you, are, if you have social media or whatnot. We want you guys to have the resources. We want you guys to know what's going on here at this church. So everything you'd want to know about what's going on in the church, you can find it out, and it is super easy. You're not going to get lost. Like, what happens if I click this? We're, oh, oh, oh. It's really cool, y'all. Okay, say Someone say, really cool. Yup, it's really cool, mpichurch.org. Come check it out if you have time. Don't be checking it out during service. Pay attention to the preacher, amen. He's like, someone's like, Ch-ch-ch. none of that. Amen. Here at Metro Praise, it hasn't changed. Our vision here is to love God and to love people. Can somebody say, love God? Come on and say, love people. Come on, and that hasn't changed because Jesus came when he said, this is going to be the greatest thing you can do in your life. Man, the greatest thing is not becoming a a manager. The greatest thing is not becoming a professional baseball player. That was something I wanted to do. Man, the greatest thing is not being the best mom and dad in the world. But the greatest thing is to love God and to love people. And we pray that you can understand that. And the way we go about that, we have a strategy. We connect you to Jesus. We mentor you. Then we send you back out. And we actually, starting this next month, we have something really cool. We are changing our life group structure. Somebody say, cool. Uh, y'all got to mean it. So this is what I'm going to have people do. I'm going to have the life group leaders begin to make their way up because we want you guys to know exactly what it's about and what better way than to have the leaders. So come on up. Let's give a hand clap for the leaders as they make their way up. Amen. And the leaders can do me the favor. You guys can get in line in order based off the, the kind of a life group that we have so we're going to start with ministry based class base, special needs base amen and then activity base but we want you the church everyone to be a part of these things you can join multiple life groups there's obviously some limitations if you're a youth that's for you if you're an adult you can't really come to the youth because it's for Okay, so you guys are catching along. They're going to come up here and explain it. But for ministry-based, let me start off with Encounterite. Pastor Chris and Vanessa are not able to be here. They are at Wicker Park, but they will be here next week amen and every Sunday encounter night man if you love Jesus and if you want to get down radical worship and just experience and encounter God and just get like toasted and just like oh man God you're so good oh you're just singing songs and you feel the presence of God that's what they're going to be doing every Sunday at 5 p.m. here at this campus weekly somebody say weekly amen amen and then we're going to kick it off for the youth life group give it up for Layla
5: my name is Elani Hernandez. I'm the assistant youth pastor with my buddy here, Adam. And for all you youth out there, we have youth uh, life groups every Tuesday. We meet every other week at 630 at Adam's house. So make sure you guys come invite your friends and enjoy a good time of, of fun and fellowship. And we're just going to live life together and do what we got to do for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hi, everybody. My name is Pastor Susie, and um, our ministry is King's Kids. We're going to have our life group every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday, 6.30. 6.30. So bring your kids. We provide a snack for them at that time. Then after that, we want to disciple your kids to uh, learn about Jesus. We want to teach them how to just grow up to be mature adults and teach them how to talk to their friends about God. So bring them out every Wednesday night, 6.30. It's a boys and girls club called Impact and roll Rangers. And then the last Wednesday of the month, we're going to have a family fun night. So come on out, join us. Um, Again, the family fun night starts at 6.30, and we'll be doing games and uh, usually have snacks for everyone, okay?
1: Amen, it's going to go this way to the Goveas, amen? Amen, we are the Goveas.
6: Now, yes, we lead the Bible study every Friday night at 7 p.m. at our place, okay? Um, you know, every single day you got to eat food in order to survive, right? So we, Jesus says that we have to be able to, you know, be in the Word of God. That's the Word, amen? That's the food that He has given us for our spirit and soul, amen? So every Friday at 7 p.m., it's going to be at our place, Bible study. Please come by. It's a good time of getting to studying the Scripture, a good time of prayer, a good time of worship and fellowship and also
1: snacks and drinks as well. Amen? So please come on by. And I'm going to share this for Deanna. She's also at the Wicker Park campus, but she's going to be starting, starting something very cool. Somebody say cool. That's just the word of the day, because Jesus is cool and all that. So evangelism, Deanna, every Saturday, she's gonna meet here at the church. They're gonna pray up and then she's gonna take a team out to evangelize. And that's something that the Bible has commanded us to do. So if you're radical and you're saying, man, I want God to use me in that way, to reach people, man, to grow on my faith, every Saturday here at the church, we're gonna be having a team meeting here and then going out to the streets. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Jared. Amen. Our life group is Sidewalk Counseling. Every second Saturday of the month, we meet up here, 9 a.m. Next uh, outing is April 13th. So mark your calendars. We pray up here, we go to an abortion mill, and we minister outside of there, do some witnessing, trying to persuade the women there to receive Christ and to keep their children. And there's three reasons we do it. One, because we believe the Bible, amen. The Bible says, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, Two because we're against abortion, it claims to be helping women, but it hurts women and kills babies, so we want to shut that down, and three, because we want to help women and help families be blessed, amen? So come out second Saturday. All right, let's give a hand clap for all the ministry base. So there is all across the board opportunities for you if you're saying to yourself, man, I just want someone to get have a Bible study with me. I just want to get in the Word with somebody. I want to just break this down. We have ministries throughout the week that you guys can be able to say, hey, you know what? I want to be a part of this. I want to join this. So we have this information again at the website. Come check that out. But the next couple of life groups that we're having, class-based, special needs-based, and activity-based are all designed specifically for their own. I'm going to have the life group leaders share for the class base. What we want you to do is join and be a part of the first one. So sign up and I'm going to have brother Ricky. Let's give it up
7: for Ricky. Share a little bit more. Amen, amen. Uh, by show of hand, who here is married? Amen, amen. Who has the best marriage? Ooh. <laughs> okay, for those guys who lowered their hands, you need to come to my life, okay? You have much to learn. You failed. But those who kept their hand up, amen, you passed the test. But you know your wife gave you that elbow. Anyways, uh, my name is Ricky. This is my lovely wife, Rachel. We're going to start a marriage life group. And we're only going to meet once a month. Uh, well, April 21st will be our first meeting. Enough time for you to find a babysitter if you have children. Uh, we're going to have a great time, okay? This is for everyone, whether your marriage is awesome, it's great, or your marriage is on the rocks. It doesn't matter. We all could learn something. There's always something you could pick up along the way. There's something, It could always get better, amen? And so plus we're gonna have great fellowship, awesome time to get to know other couples where you could go on double dates. It's gonna be a great time of fellowship. We're gonna have great activities, games. It's gonna be fun. And what we wanna do is the last meeting, which will be in June, we wanna go out on the date night, you know? Go out to Navy Pier, just do something fun uh, together where you could also have that quality time with your wife or your husband. And so what we wanna do is we wanna do marriage God's way, man. When you look around you, uh, you see uh, this building, the skyscrapers in downtown, the clothes you're wearing. Uh, someone designed that, didn't it? Didn't they? There's a designer, right? So there's a designer to every design. There's a mastermind to every masterpiece. And the creator of marriage is God. He is the mastermind. He is the creator. He ordained marriage from the very beginning as the first, most important institute on this earth. And so, if anybody knows how marriage is supposed to look like, how is what works and what doesn't work, it's going to be God. Amen. And so, we want to just talk a little bit about that from a biblical and godly perspective. We want to talk about how to. Keep your love tank full, how to do that. And just really encourage you, and I'm sure you guys would encourage us to have that just blessed, happy marriage for for a lifetime. Amen. So come on out. Also, uh, this is a a closed group, which means you would have to come to the first meeting, April 21st, in order to come May and June. If you don't come in April, you're going to have to wait until when the next class starts. We'll keep you informed. So please come on out. It's going to be fun. Uh, All the info is on the website. Uh, uh, Talk to me afterwards.
3: Amen. Hello everyone, my name is Cynthia Rodan and I am a deacon here, which that means I am a servant of all. I am speaking today, especially to um, single moms. Lauren and I have the opportunity to pour into single moms. We are here to go through it with you, to show you how God can just be your husband. He could be that comforter until you get to this marriage Kind of a husband that he has so just talk about everything and just, you know, remind you guys and teach you that there's a special place for single moms to think you know? So, all ages, all stages, you guys are welcome. It's going to be at my house. It's going to be monthly. The first meeting will be on April 7th, and all the information, again, is on the website, but... Um, I am so excited. And this is a new season. And I'm going to find all the things last here, and I am going to take you to my life group. Lauren and I will be seeking and finding all you young ladies and all you women. Okay? God is good. Hey Amen. Yeah, uh, my name is Nick. I'm in the activity based on life group, which is led by um, Isha Robin. And pretty much we just, like, I know everybody got a busy life and stuff.
4: You know, everybody going to school or even work and even working. And we don't have any, uh, too many opportunities to hang around um, with one another. So this opportunity for everybody, in a, as, you know, as a body part as a whole, to fellowship and, you know, build relationships and just live life together. So um, pretty much, um, well, we start off a couple of weeks. So it's like every every um, second Sunday of the month that we all uh, do an activity. So this, uh, this upcoming month, on the 14th, we're going uh, bowling at Mount Clare right here around the neighborhood and then just like sign up on the Facebook page and just stay tuned for further announcements or probably, you know, something different and stuff.
1: let's give a hand clap for the leaders. So take a good look. That's some of the leaders here, if you want more information, please come up to them after service. We also have the information on the Facebook page, ways we can stay connected. Please, don't hide your kids and hide your wives, okay? We want everyone to be a part of it, amen? Come on, let's give it up for the leaders one more time as they make their way back to their seats. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Continuing on, the show must go on, Amen. Amen. We believe that as we do all these things, the goal here is 100,000 disciples in Chicago, 50 churches, with 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, come on and say amen. God is able. Amen. Amen. Let's prepare to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. And, And I want you guys to open up your Bibles with me to Isaiah 53. You know, this, this, this passage that we're going to open up our, our Bibles to, Isaiah 53, is not necessarily anything dealing with money or tithes and, and, and anything like that, but it's really about Jesus Christ, and, and what better time to really um, just focus in and just get us, uh, receive the Word, rather, and, and understand what the Lord had done for us, what He is doing in our lives, amen? So as you're preparing to re- we receive our tithes and offering, let's just read this, amen? Let's start in verse 4. Rather, let's, let's go back and start in verse 3. He's, it says it like this, and this is speaking of Jesus, a prophecy of Jesus. It says this. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before it cheers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Amen. Let's just stop there. Man, this is all about Jesus. And I just want to encourage you that whenever you think about this church, please don't think about it as man, just like, oh, these guys are great men. Pastor, pastor, pastor. Man, we really we we listen to Jesus and we love Jesus. I want to make it very simple for you this morning. It's about Jesus Christ and Him being God, and Him being glorified in your life, and you serving Him, and you growing in that relationship with Him. Amen. So let us just stand to our feet this morning. God is good. As we prepare to receive our tithes and offering. A tithe is 10% of your total income, and offering is whatever you give to God after your tithe. In some ways, you can give your offering as to missions and to building funds. We reserve, we allocate those resources into that, and we're making sure that God is doing a great thing. Amen? So knowing that you have a part to play in God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and read this out as well. We have our online giving. Forgot to mention that. If it's easier for you to do online, it's quicker, it's faster. Amen, that's one way you can do that. Well, let's read this in closing. It's Luke 6. Let's see if I get it right. 38, hallelujah. Amen, let's read it out on the count of three. One, two, three. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen, let us pray. Father, we bless your name. Jesus, we praise you. God, who loves you, God, we just pray that at this time, Father, you would open up our hearts, God, and you would just pour out your love and your grace and understanding, God, that we can give you the, the praise, God, I mean, we just pray for your people, God, uh, God, as the weather is getting nicer, Father, it brings about this sense of, of new beginnings and new seasons, God, so we pray, uh, God, for financial blessings, new seasons over this church, and all that you're doing here, God, in the ministries as well. Father, we pray that your hand will be a part of, Father God. And God, people here will grow. And God, your kingdom will grow. And Father, to you will be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on and say amen. Come on up as you can. Amen.
6: Man, how many love Jesus? Can I get a woo-woo? Amen, amen. We've been talking about the last month, your purpose in God. And I am so thankful that you are here today because we are concluding our sermon series on the purpose that God has for your life. We've talked about the purpose that God had for you by foreknowing you and all the future things about you, that before you got here, God knew you. Think about that. That was an awesome message, wasn't it? Those of you who weren't here, you can check it online. God foreknew you. Then Pastor Adam came and talked about kingdom purpose. About how when you are in the kingdom of God, that is your purpose. That when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else is added unto you. So if you're in the kingdom, what should you seek first? The kingdom of God. Let's try it again. If you're in the kingdom of God, what should you seek first? The kingdom of God. Some of you are still sleeping. I'm going to say it one more time. In the kingdom of God, what should you seek first? The kingdom of God. Thank you. And then the third week, we talked about how God has a purpose for your life, and that is through suffering, that you will not get around suffering in this world. And so many times people get discouraged in Christianity because they suffer. They think that once they've accepted Christ, that Christ uh, promises them a world without suffering. And so when problems come, when losses come, when jobs go away, they blame it on God. But if you can understand your purpose is through suffering. There is no way out of suffering. It's already a part of the plan. You have to go through it. And we discussed as well, if somebody says, well, to hell with all of this religion. I don't need God because I don't want all the suffering. Denying God doesn't take suffering out of your life. You will live this world, if you go without God and you take the other path, you will live this world without Christ. You will be hopeless in this life through your suffering and then you will perish for eternity in a devil's hell forever in eternal torment and suffering going without god through suffering is not an option for us amen but in our suffering if we look at this as our motivation to god oh i'm in pain what does the pain remind me of i'm in a world full of pain i should go to christ and have him heal my pains the cross says jesus christ identifies with our pain so when we are in pain we should be driven to the cross to identify with our lord and savior jesus christ who knows our pain and sorrows when we face sicknesses when we we face diseases when we face those problems poverty and lack in this world it should bring us to jesus christ not away from jesus christ and then yesterday uh, excuse me last sunday because we've had a five week month last sunday i was able to go into depth, past suffering but to go into the understanding of god's predestination for the plan for your life to give you success and a hope and a future That God's planned for you a good life. And that good life is that all things work together for good. And I ask you to think about that illustration that uh, a professor did with his students one day. That he wrote down, he said, write down on one side the hardest times you faced in life. And then on the flip side, write down the greatest times you've seen God show up in your life. And as they looked at both sides of the paper, they lined up in those same events. So the hardest times of their life were the times they lost their job. They couldn't pay their bills. But then the greatest times of their life is when Jesus showed up and showed off. And last week I gave you the evidence against Calvinism, which has been one of my pet peeves as of late, of medieval 15th, uh, 16th century doctrine basing itself back in Augustinianism, Gnosticism, which teaches fatalism. And the bottom line of Calvinism is if it's true, it makes God a devil and a monster. That if God would only look in the future and choose to save some but damn others, this is false because God does love the world, gives a choice to the world, and men are damned by their own choice and I played a video and I explained that thoroughly to you so that then today you could make the choice to be a part of God's good plan for your life. You can make that choice. Now today, on Easter, Which, by the way, t- today is not a holiday to me. It's not a holy day to me. Some days are holy to you. Some days are holy to our culture. But none of them are holy to me because Jesus Christ said all days are alike now. The Christ that we serve is risen and alive. So, priesters welcome to a church that's not here to entertain you or here to give you something to make you go home and feel better about yourself with. If you today do not repent and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will perish. Today means nothing in God's calendar Without you being born again Now I thank God that there are some of you today That appreciate this day That you like this day That this helps you give a party for Jesus And the Bible says I can't judge you I should allow you to have that day Celebrate this day as unto the Lord So don't judge me Because this day is another day Just as unto the Lord as all days are And I won't judge you for making this a celebratory day Are you listening to me? But there is no Easter bunny, no Easter egg in my house today. It is the scriptures of the Lord Jesus Christ in His presence. And any church that uses those things to bribe people to come to church, God have mercy on them and this nation. We have lost our passion for God. We have lost the preaching of the Word of God. And the preachers have become nothing more than entertainers. And that does not happen in this house. In Jesus' name. It doesn't make us better than anybody else. It just makes us better off. (laughs) Because I'm here today to tell you, I am under the fear of God. I fear the Lord, my friends. I fear Jesus Christ. Because one day I will stand before him and he will judge what I've told you. He will judge me on the words that I've said to you, to your family, to your friends. And if I've entertained you, if I've played patty cake with you, God have mercy on me. Now, today, as we finish off this message, the purpose, lastly, that I want you to get that God has for your life, as some of you are thinking about Resurrection Sunday today, is that he wishes none would perish. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 3. If you're glad you came to church this morning, can you say amen? Amen. We're not mad at you. We're glad you're here. You might be looking at your neighbor going, we should have gone to another church. No, we're glad you're here. We don't think we're the only good preaching church, but we're just one of the best. And we're here to tell you we're glad you chose one of the best this morning. But if you want an Easter bunny and dropping uh, Easter eggs from a helicopter, you, you did not come to the right place. Amen. And all I have to, to ask them is not for an Easter egg for my child, but I ask them to repent for that foolishness. Amen. That's okay. I love Jesus. He, he still loves me. That's the most important part. He knew, by the way, he knew what I was going to preach before you got here this morning. So there must be a reason why he brought you here. (laughs) This ain't a surprise to Jesus. I want to preach to you about non-perishing because it's the purpose that Jesus has for each and every one of you. That you would not perish. You can get everything right in life, but if you get this wrong, you will perish forever. And that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can say, Pastor, I acknowledge he foreknew me. You could say, Pastor, I understand that I have a kingdom purpose. You could say, Pastor, I understand that suffering is a part of my life. And I can understand that God will work everything for good in my life. But listen to me, my friends, understanding it and living it out are two different things. The Jewish people of Jesus' day understood the Bible. They memorized the Bible. They meditated on the Bible. They taught it to their children. They wore it on their foreheads. They put it on their doors. And yet this man we see in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, as to say a southern saying, is as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. He was a religious leader, but he knew not the God of his religion. He had parted ways with God. As many of the Jewish people of that day had done, they no longer lived for God. The words of the Bible were not what they based their life off of, but rather the traditions that they came from the word of God. And so with their traditions, they nullified the word of God. Almost sounds like a problem we may have today. People took the word of God in our churches and have made traditions, and many of these traditions nullify the word of God. Now, there's nothing wrong, like I said, with celebrating a holiday or a special day as you, as you want to do unto the Lord. I I, I just I would question involving pagan-like things, but I would still say, God gives you permission to color an Easter egg, do what you want. I mean, as long as you ain't worshiping the goddess Ishtar where that tradition came from, I could give you the grace to do that. But the tradition that we've made off of Christ and his resurrection to what we now call an Easter service, I think that tradition in people's minds becomes a hindrance to salvation. Just like traditions in Jewish people's minds became a hindrance to Christ himself. This is the context of John chapter 1 and onward. But let's start in verse 3. Well, well, matter of fact, let's just read uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. What was his name? Come on, what was his name? Amen. Thank you. A member of the Jewish ruling council. Pretty smart guy. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. So he knew Jesus was a teacher who had come from God. For no one could perform miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one could see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Don't you love Jesus? Jesus doesn't go, well, thanks, Nicodemus, I I appreciate the compliment. Hey, that's pretty awesome, I'm a pretty good teacher, I'm a miracle worker, too. No, Jesus doesn't even give attention to the compliment. He looks right back at Nicodemus, and he says, you need to be born again if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Hello, somebody. I'm going to Easter service. You need to be born again. I went to Palm Sunday service and got a palm. You need to be born again. Pastor, I love your worship and the pretty lights of your building. You need to be born again. You see, your religion, your compliments, your shaking Jesus' hand saying, I'm down with what you do, means nothing unless you're personally born again. Now, you might think to yourself, you're more religious than Nicodemus because the Bible says some people think by good works they can achieve salvation. So you might think to yourself, well, you know, Jesus, he might you know, have said that to Nicodemus, but he wouldn't have said that to me. Nicodemus was a Pharisee of the Jewish ruling council. That means that he was a scholar in his Jewish faith. He could read the Bible in its original language, Hebrew. He probably had committed to memory the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. He could quote them probably from memory, like how you see Muslims today quote the Quran. They could probably quote the entire Pentateuch. On top of that, they could quote the entire Psalms to you, if not large portions of it. How well do you memorize Scripture? Have you memorized the first five books of the Bible? Have you memorized all of Psalm 119? On top of that, they had three times of daily prayer that they prayed every single day at the temple. This was the kind of prayer that got Daniel in trouble because he kept praying, and they told him to stop, and he would not, and he was thrown to a lion's den. It was the three times of prayer. How many times do you dedicate in your day to prayer consistently every day? They also then lived a morally pure life to the best of their ability. They would abstain from certain foods. They would abstain from certain kind of behaviors like sexual immorality, drunkenness. They would abstain from perversion and all of these different things. So now that you get the understanding of who Nicodemus is, without Christ in your mindset, do you think your Catholic uncle compares to Nicodemus? Do you think your Catholic grandma compares to Nicodemus? So I don't care how religious they are. My parents came from a Catholic family. It doesn't matter how religious they are. They're not as religious as Nicodemus. This is the equivalent of Jesus talking to the Pope. I don't understand why there's so many Protestants all excited that this Pope has gotten in. The Catholic Church is still the whore of Babylon. It still acts as an Antichrist, and it is damning men's souls to hell, and it's full of corruption, of sexual perversion, molestation, and it is riddled with the blood of martyrs all the way back into the Dark Ages when they would kill people like me for preaching the Word of God. I still believe in that, amen? So today as I drive by these Roman Catholic churches, there is a pity in my heart that goes out to them. God, would you awaken them from their idol worship, from the priests that are following an Antichrist called the Pope, the Vicar of Christ, and worshiping Jesus as your mother. Would you forgive them, spare them, and save them? I don't rejoice in my heart. Look at all these Roman Catholics. I grieve in my heart, friends. One of the greatest deceptions to Christianity has been the Roman Catholic Church because it gives you another version of Christianity. It has popularized it by its politics, by taking over lands. And now today people are blinded by it, don't even know why they do what they do. God have mercy, but I love Jesus. You're deciding if you love me, but that's okay. I love Jesus. And his word says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Have you been born again, my friends? Have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? How many here today have done that? Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. How many of you have been born again? I hope somebody's saved in the house. Most of you raising your hands. Nicodemus verse 4 he said how can a man be uh, born when he is old Nicodemus asked surely he cannot go a second time into his mother's womb to be born you gotta just say God bless you Nicodemus you know in the south you know in the south they have a, a, a little saying that goes God bless your dear heart God bless you, you're special, God bless you, you know, Nicodemus is saying, so what does the man do, put on scuba gear and go exploring back up into his mother's womb, look at your neighbor and say, that's gross, if you young people were paying attention, you'd be laughing right now. You see, we look at the Bible like they don't have a sense of humor. This dude just made Jesus laugh. You know that the disciples had to be going, I can't believe he just said that. Go up into the mother's womb. Or, you know, Nicodemus might have had a little Italian in him like he was being sarcastic. Like, hey, you know, like, what am I supposed to do, go up into my mother's womb again? Hey, come on, get out of here. Get out of here. I'm going through my mother's womb. What's wrong with you? Talking to me like that. I don't know which one it was, a joke or him being sarcastic. But Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Hallelujah. How many glad Jesus tells the truth? No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. People have debated over what that water is there, whether it's the water of baptism as the symbol of being born again. Some people think it's the water of birth, that as you come forth into this world earthly, you come through the water, and then you come spiritually into your second birth. Some think that the water is just a reiteration of the Spirit by it being a symbol of the Spirit. Either way, we understand that those who are born again have to first be alive, and then have Christ's Spirit come into their life and be baptized. So if you serve Christ, you can fulfill any interpretation of what that water is. Number six, flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. So the idea is here, all of us have been born in our flesh. But Christ is saying we have to be born in our spirit. Well, the origin of our flesh, we came from fleshly parents. So we must have spiritual father to birth us. Now, some may say spiritual parents, and then they get to be spiritual weirdies, okay? And to new age-ism, and goddess mother earth. Don't fall for that nonsense. God is the father, and he gives us birth. He can do it because he's God. We don't need a goddess mother. Are you tracking with me? I'm hearing all kinds of weird things today. But this is the point he's making. If you had a fleshly birth, have you had a spiritual birth? Now, when I talk to people, and I ask them, and I say, have you had a spiritual birth? Have you been born again? And then somebody says, yeah, when I got out of prison, that doesn't count, Jack. Or when somebody else said, yeah, when I had a near-death experience when I was on the hospital bed, that doesn't count either. Or when somebody says, yeah, I was born again when I got baptized, that doesn't count. That's not the born again that Christ is talking about here. What he is talking about is that there is a new you on the inside of you that penetrates through the old you and that shines and lives a new life in this world. So the question is, if you've been born again and you're saved, what have you been saved from? Have you been saved from lying? Have you been saved from a perverted lifestyle? Have you been saved from your idolatry, your selfishness? Because if you're born again, you shouldn't be living like you once lived. You should be saved from those things, living a new life. And that's the blessing of Christ is because you can never be good enough to get rid of the junk in your trunk. You have to be born again to live that new life. I was born a sinner. Like you, January 19, 1977, lived a life of sin. For 18 years, high school dropout, incarcerated eight times, sold and did drugs. But November fifth, 1995, I met Jesus Christ. He came into my heart. I was born again. I'm not the same. I've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I know that God is real because he's living on the inside and he's roaring like a lion. He's coming through me to you today, and he's doing the same in this church, in many lives, and all over the world. And I thank God today that Jesus Christ's gospel is powerful enough to change everybody. So he says, you have to be born again, which is flesh, gives birth to flesh. Verse 7, you should not be surprised by me saying, you must be born again. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, this is the introduction. When we get to 16, we'll get to our text. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. If you got good breath, just look at your neighbor and just blow in their face. I just saw somebody try, and their neighbor just said, don't you try that. Don't you be blowing in my face. Now I'm looking at teenagers, and I'm saying, why did I do that? You can almost imagine like some married man looking to the woman next to him. That's not his wife. His wife slaps him in the head. I'm so sorry. How about we all do this? Just blow on your hand. That was the illustration God wanted me to say. I'm sorry. (laughs) So you blow on your hand, but you don't see it. You feel it, but you don't see it. So many people say to me, show me God, show me God. And I say to them, I will let you feel God, or God rather will let you feel Him if you pray and you seek Him because God touches the innermost part of your being. I don't have time to get into the understanding of this, but I can just say it like this. If God was a physical being only, but didn't transcend physical time, matter, and space, then he could not be God. For God to have created matter, space, and time, he himself must stand outside of matter, space, and time. The only type of being that can do that is a non-corporal spiritual being. So God is God by definition by not being some little physical being like batman transformers or green lantern amen y'all looking at me crazy think about it if he created matter space and time he cannot be matter space and time it's a little bit deep on easter for you but that's okay he says the wind blows wherever it wants and you don't see it same as with those who are born of the spirit i wish i had time to talk about the spirit life but we're going to just hit on it a little bit today let's keep going verse nine How can this be, Nicodemus asked. He says, you are Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things. You know, I've talked to religious leaders. I've talked to Roman Catholic priests. I've talked to Orthodox leaders, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and I ask them that simple question, have you been born again? They go, well, we don't believe in that. Well, my friend, if you don't believe in that, you don't believe in what Jesus said. That's like me getting a key from my landlord, and he says, here's the key that goes into your door to get into the front door of your house. And that will be like me saying back to him, well, I don't believe in keys. He says back to me, well, stupid, you ain't getting into your house then. Well, I don't believe in being born again. Well, you ain't getting into heaven then. Being born again is the key into heaven. And it comes through Jesus Christ. He says, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How can I tell you of heavenly things? Some people want to understand revelation and they don't understand how to stop sleeping with, their, with the person they're not married to or looking at BigHooters.com. You're not ready to understand the four horsemen of the apocalypse until you can zip it up, mister, and delete your email account to BigHooters.com. You ain't ready for revelation yet. You need to live for Jesus Christ right here. Some people say, well, I want to understand the end times. I want to know the mark of the beast. I want to understand all this. But you still cussing. You're still drinking. You're still fornicating. God says, you ain't ready for that. You need to start in the spiritual elementary school of repentance. Get right with God. And then when you understand what God is saying, you can go to Revelation and enjoy the fine wine of heaven. You can go to the deeper filet of Jesus. You can spend your life trying to decipher the Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. But until you understand earthly things, you can't understand heavenly things. Verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. That makes us question about Elijah and Enoch. Both of them we saw ascend. Where do we think they went if they didn't go to heaven? At this time, we believe that they were in the bosom of Abraham. We believe that in the underworld of the Jewish thought is some place called Sheol, and it was divided into two places. One place was the bosom of Abraham where the righteous went, and then there was a great chasm that separated that to the place of Hades, the place of the death. We then see this as an illustration in Jesus' parable when he begins to say that there was a rich man who died and a beggar named Lazarus who died. Lazarus was in the place of paradise known as Abraham's bosom. He could see across the great chasm there the rich man and the rich man talked back and forth. We believe that when uh, Ephesians says that he who ascended is also he that descended and when he then came out he led captivity captive and brought them to his father and gave gifts to men. We believe that after Christ died and was buried what he did in the burial time was he went down to that place called paradise. He released them, brought them to heaven and then those who had rejected him from the time all the way up before that he preached the gospel and said what you rejected in shadows and type you rejected in me deep theology look at your neighbor go that's deep So he says, no one's gone to heaven except me. I've come down from heaven. So was Jesus born in a sense of his existence? No, when Jesus came, he already existed, but he was born by taking on an earth suit. His eternal deity, his eternal spirit had always been with the Father, but when he came to this earth in what we call the incarnation, the kenosis, the self-humbling of God, he took on flesh, split through the womb of a mother to be here with us as we would have to put on an earth suit to go to space, but we still remain who we are, though we have a suit on. He came from heaven, remaining who he was in full divinity, but took on flesh and became a man. And yet the hypostatic union teaches us that he also took the nature of a man, which is the great theology of the God-man, being the anthropos, God and man in one. And the Bible says that he came For a purpose. Look at verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Does anybody remember the guy named Moses in the Bible? Moses at one time to spare the people from a plague that God had brought grabbed a hold of a staff put a snake on it by God's command and he lifted it up to the Israelite people and whoever was sick and diseased who looked up to that staff that had a serpent around it was healed if you look today to the symbol for medicine that staff with a serpent around it that's where it comes from and so Jesus refers back to that and says as Moses took up a snake and put it on a snake and people were healed. That is how I will be lifted up. Of course, the stick representing the cross and the snake representing the curse upon that cross. Jesus would become a curse for us and all who look unto him will be healed. says that everyone, let's read verse 14 just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life, and let me just tell you a little bit here about that son of man title, sometimes we think that you know, when he's called the son of man that means he's the, Mar- uh, the child of Mary, and when he's called the son of God, that means he's the child of God as father, but most don't understand that the son of man is a title, referring to divinity, back to Daniel chapter 7, when Daniel sees the ancient of days and one like the son of man comes to the ancient of days and receives all worship from angels and every tribe, nation and language so every time Jesus is referring to himself as the son of man he's referring to himself as the glorified pre incarnate divine son of God equal to the father always worthy of worship but yet he will be lifted up like a Serpent was lifted up. Have you thought about what it cost Christ to be your Savior? What it meant for God to become man, take on flesh, and to die for you? That would be just an example, which is, of course, something we can't fathom. But just to put it into your mind, it would be like you becoming an ant. To be tortured by other ants so that you could save the ants. I mean, that sounds almost ridiculous. Or like you becoming your dog. So that you could be tortured by other dogs so that then dogs might be saved. But yet it's even more phenomenal than this. And when we think about God's humbling, it's hard to even imagine because we can't even comprehend the level of deity that Christ has because we don't understand deity. We don't understand things without end. And so we have to just say this when we think about the humbling of Christ. He must love us. He must love us to do something like that. Because now you get John 3:16. You get the context of it, right? You get it? He's talking to a religious person that thinks he's okay with his religion and his religious holidays, but Jesus says, No, you gotta be born again of the Spirit. You've got to come by the Spirit. And this man says, I don't understand. And he says, I'm gonna tell you how to get it. Like Moses lifted up a serpent, I'll be lifted up, the Son of Man, God and man. Will be lifted up, so that you'll look unto me and believe it. And then he summarizes, says, "For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life." And we keep reading, "For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him." How many people does He love? The world, you and me and everybody, he loves us. And he doesn't want to condemn us because the Bible says we are condemned already. So take today anyone who has not been born again. How are they in God's mind right now? If you are not born again, how does Christ look at you? Condemned. Look at what the verse says, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. How many know that good doctors don't make people sick? Good doctors do not make people sick, but good doctors tell people when they're sick, do they not? So you could go to the doctor, and let's say you were feeling some pain around here in your stomach, and the doctor starts feeling around, and he finds out that there's a pain right here. He says, this hurt? And you're like, ah, that hurts. Then he says, okay, let's take some x-rays. And then he takes an x-ray and finds out maybe you have pancreatic uh, cancer. Now, do you look at that doctor and say, when you were touching around, you gave me that cancer? Do you get upset with that doctor, punch him in his face, and say, how dare you judge me? All he did was tell you who you were on the inside, did he not? So many people get upset with preaching like this because the Word of God pushes around into their spirit and their soul and they get exposed for who they are. And then they want preachers to stop preaching like this. They want to go to churches that tell them that they're all right, that they're okay. And let me just ask you in that same example, imagine if you did have pancreatic cancer and the doctor starts touching around and he sees that you have it, but he says to himself, oh, it's her birthday today. I don't want to tell her she has cancer on her birthday. Oh, and she has children and I don't want her children get upset. So I, I won't tell her she has cancer. Is that a good doctor? Is it a good doctor who says to the cancer patient, go about your way, peace, safety, be well when they know that you're dying? How many today are going to be accused on Judgment Day, whether Christian from the pulpit to the pew, whether Christian, pastor, or leader, for not telling their friends the sickness that they already have? How many of us will be held accountable for not telling our neighbors and our friends that without Jesus Christ, they have spiritual cancer? And for all those here today who don't quite understand this, this word condemn blows your mind. Let me help make it simple. Have you ever told a lie? What does that make you? A liar. Have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? What do we call that, a thief? Have you ever lusted after the opposite sex? What do we call that? The Bible calls it an adulterer. Have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? What do we call that, a blasphemer? Have you ever coveted after what somebody else had? We call that a coveter. Have you ever disobeyed your parents? We call that rebellion. Have you ever placed anything above the Lord your God, whether it was your money, whether it was your day off, or whether it was your free time? If you did, you have not always loved Him with all your heart so much. And strength, those are just some of God's commands, and so today, without Jesus Christ, the whole world has the charge of guilty, we are already condemned. The good news is, Jesus didn't come to inflict the punishment of God upon us. That is what he does in the second coming. In the first coming he came to take our punishment upon himself. He became the vicarious atonement for our sin. He became the substitutionary sacrifice. He is the one that bore the judgment of God upon that cross so that today those who are condemned can be saved. And it says in John 3.16 that he gave his son so that Whoever believes in him should not what? Should not what? Perish, but have eternal life. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get to the message now. I wanted to give you the context in the introduction so you could hear the message. Jesus died so you and I would not perish. Perish. What does the word perish mean? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The word perish means to kill or destroy. God so loved the world, so loved the world, so cared about us in our sinful state, all of us, that He gave His only Son, Jesus, from heaven to earth to die on the cross, take our punishment, so that we would not Be destroyed. You cannot truly understand the love and grace and the magnitude of God's care for you unless you understand first the condemnation and the judgment against you. Let me give you another example. Let's take for, uh, you know, owing money to the bank. Let's say you have a house and you owe a payment to the bank every month on your mortgage, and the total amount that you owe your house, your loan, is worth $300,000. And imagine today if one of the bank uh, lenders came to your house and they said to you, your entire debt has been paid, you no longer owe the bank $300,000. You'd get happy, would you not? You would get excited. You would say, hey, who paid off my loan? That would be pretty much our first reaction. It's like, wow, how'd that happen? And if they said, oh, so-and-so did it, I'm sure you would be thankful for what they did for you, would you not? Now imagine if somebody came up to your house and you're renting an apartment and uh, you rent that apartment, you don't owe a mortgage on it, and somebody comes up to you and says, somebody has paid off your mortgage of $300,000. You would look at them and go, what are you talking about, Jack? I don't even have a mortgage. I don't even have my name on the line for a house. You might say, "Can I get that three hundred thousand dollars in the form of some cash and a new car and and some some you know gift cards to Red Lobster?" And they said, "No, I mean this is it. This is all we're doing. Three hundred thousand dollars paid off your mortgage." You would say, "You've got the wrong person, right?" And for many people, when we say that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, they think to themselves, that's the wrong person. I'm not a sinner. I don't need to be saved. You know what? Hitler's this bad. Mother Teresa is this good. I'm certainly not where Hitler's at. I'm probably somewhere right around here close to Mother Teresa. I don't need Jesus. I'm not a sinner. Preacher, don't preach to me. Why don't you go preach to the murderers and the rapists? And because they don't understand the debt that they owe to God, they don't understand the salvation that God is offering them. And then by out of their own mouth, they can't receive it because they don't believe it's for them when you see yourself as Christ sees who you are then you truly understand his great love and his great sacrifice for you then you see yourself there in the place of need and when Christ says your sins are forgiven he who's been forgiven of much loves much and so if you ever wonder why the person next to you is praising God like they are and you're sitting all quiet like you are it's because they know they've been forgiven they didn't deserve it and they're on their way to heaven glory be to the lamb of god who was slain from the foundation of the world they understand who jesus is jesus is that is not that effeminate guy who comes to remodel your spiritual house Well, I think you're doing okay. You just need a little few touch-ups. Let's just be a little lavender here and just a little little spruce of purple over here. No, Jesus is not saying all you need is a a renovation, ma'am. He is saying you need a demolition and a brand new creation for those who are in Christ Jesus have been made new. All things have passed away. So today God is saying to all of us, doesn't want us to perish. He doesn't want us to be destroyed. But we have to admit that without Christ, we would be destroyed. Now, since most of you today, by the admission of your hands, and I'll take you at your word just for these next few moments, you say that I have already been born again. I know I'm not going to perish. Let me give you today six facts to base your life upon in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that purchased your salvation. So that when people say to you, well, you believe you're saved, you believe you're born again, I believe I can fly. You can say back to them, you're playing make-believe, but I'm putting my trust in the facts of what God did for me and I put it on my Facebook, that if Christ did not raise from the dead to prove that he was our sacrifice, if he would have just died like a brave heart and stayed in the grave, then there would be no salvation for us. He had to raise again to prove to us that his claims were true. Are you ready for six facts? When we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see a broken Roman seal. The Bible says that they sealed this tomb that he was at. The Roman people would seal it with their uh, signature on there to tell the people that were around there that would be thinking about robbing the grave that if you messed with this tomb, you would be messing with the entire Roman army. So when they put the Roman seal there, they also put Roman guards to stand watch. Now, we understand this to be fact because we know the actual Tomb that Jesus was put in The Bible says it's Joseph of Arimathea Now when the Bible mentioned This in the Gospels it was probably Written around 60 A.D. And the resurrection happened around 30 A.D. So within a 30 year period the Gospel Writers are already writing down Which grave and whose person, uh, whose Person's grave He was in. Don't you think Within the same 30 years, I'm 36 uh, uh, years old, within 30 years of event people could go back and check the facts. So if we said Jesus was buried in the grave of Joseph and Arimathea and how many no graves don't disappear, they're pretty much where you left them. Are you tracking with me? You don't remodel graves, are you with me? So within 30 years, that grave is still there. They could go back and check. And as a matter of fact, as historians look back into the historical account of the resurrection, like Mike Lacona, one of the greatest things that we see is that the contemporaries of Jesus never argued about whether or not the grave that he was in Was empty. They all agreed to that because they knew it had been named and had been found empty. So the people who did not believe in God, the ones who didn't want to acknowledge Him, already developed an excuse. And the excuse was the disciples stole the body. Well, the reason why we look to fact one as the Roman seal as a fact against that is because there is no way disciples like Peter who were just cursing out to a little Girl, that they didn't know jesus so full of fear right Peter, is so full of fear that when a little girl comes to him in the courtyard and says aren't you friends with jesus of galilee aren't you one of them and he goes i don't blank any blank know the man are you tracking with me why would those same disciples out of fear none were there at the cross except john he was the one next to mary and he said this is the one who's going to take care of you now that i'm gone in hebrew tradition other than john all the disciples were gone how in the world Would these disciples that same weekend that their Savior was killed take on a Roman company and then undo a Roman seal and roll away a Roman guarded tomb to steal a body? It wouldn't happen. It's against the facts. And much less, why would they take a body and now claim that he's raised from the dead? The Christians died for their faith, over 500 of them, claimed that they saw the resurrected Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible records stories by uh, one by the, the title we now know him as is Doubting Thomas. He didn't even believe Jesus has raised from the dead. He told the disciples, I won't believe it until I touch him and feel him myself. And then Jesus says, here you go. Why would that man ever take a mission trip to India to preach to the people there and die a horrible death by being speared on a mission field in India if he didn't truly believe he saw Jesus Christ. You might say, well, religious religious fanatics believe things all the time. That's true. You know, there's religious fanatics like Muslims who believe if they howl Allah Akbar and run into a plane, they'll be in paradise. But they don't say, I've seen paradise. They don't say they've seen the virgins. They just have a hope to see it. But the message of the Christians wasn't, we hope to see Jesus one day. The message of the Christians was, we have already seen him. Fact number one, the broken Roman seal. Fact number two is the empty tomb. When the disciples went to the tomb and found it empty, the first ones that went there were women. And in the time of Jesus' life, the women actually didn't even have a high esteem in court you would need at least two or three of them to account for a testimony as you would one man. So if you were trying to prove who hit your buggy on the dirt roads over there, you couldn't just bring one woman with you to judge Judy. You would have to bring two or three women. But if you had a man, one man's testimony would be better than three women. All all the women say, oh, snap. Okay, you might not have liked it back then, women, but that's just the way it was. But you know the unique thing about the Bible? Is that the first people that find the tomb empty are what? Oh, come on, shout it out, are women. Women find the tomb empty. This is what we call evidence to hurt your case. This is evidence that would hurt the case of Christians. Because if Christians were trying to make up a story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, why would they say women found the body when they don't even count as a testimony in court? It would be better to say Peter the macho man, John the young smart man, that these men found him. But yet the Bible even goes further that the women find him, preach to the men, and the men still don't even believe it like doubting Thomas until Jesus comes and actually rebukes them. So the ones founding the church are having to tell the story of the empty tomb every time they preach the gospel, having to tell how the women knew better than they did. And you know, no man is going to make up a story like that. Think about it. Every time Peter had to tell the story, you could just imagine one of the women sitting down there. And Peter, who found the tomb empty? Tell us again, Peter. And what did Jesus tell you, Peter? (laughs) Would we not see that this would be untrue? if it was a myth, but it's so against their story that it would have to be true because the disciples themselves were shocked. The third thing that we see is that the large stone was moved and number four, that the Roman guard goes AWOL. And so we see here that at the time, the Jewish people who actually had Christ to be crucified put together a story with the Roman soldiers to say that the disciples stole the body while the Roman soldiers were sleeping. And Josephus a Jewish historian actually records this as the story that was believed as the gospel was being preached. So imagine in 60 AD, 30 years after Jesus, we're telling you about his resurrection. If you were a Jewish person influenced by the leaders from the synagogue, you would probably say back to me, oh, pastor, you're just making up stuff. Those disciples, they went in and stole the body while the soldiers were sleeping. For that to be true, those Roman soldiers then would have to be put to death. Number one, for Roman soldiers to be sleeping on duty, they would be punishable unto death. Number two, for somebody to have broken a Roman seal, the Romans themselves would have to capture them and put them to death. And the Romans knew at all times where our disciples were because the Jews kept having them get arrested. And so our believers were always in Roman jails. However, you know, never see the charge given by any Roman that we had broken their seal or that we had found their soldiers sleeping. Why? Because on that day, Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago, an angel came, rolled away the stone, knocked out those soldiers, and Jesus walked out of that tomb because he said that surely as you lift me up, I will draw all men unto me, and he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him shall never die. He proved it by His life. And then you see, lastly, the fact six, is that 500 confirmations of Jesus' life. I've read stories out of the Bhagavad Gita about the stories of Krishna and Arjuna having battles together. I've read the mythology of Ganesh and, and this other Hindu gods, you know. But I'm telling you, there aren't 500 witnesses that say Yes. I'm credible, I'm not crazy, and I did see Ganesh. I saw a half-elephant man walking around. Sure, I saw Krishna, a blue man that glowed. I saw him walking down the street. But when you look at the historical evidence, the number one thing that people agree upon, even an atheistic uh, uh, skeptic like Bart Ehrman, who wrote the New York Times best-selling book, misquoting Jesus, who doesn't even believe in the divinity of Jesus, actually believes that Jesus was a real person so now with Jesus being a real person we can't call him a myth we now have to ask where did he go if his grave is not where, the, where his body is where in, in the grave and yet 500 witnesses say they saw him walking around which people are you going to believe historians today that doubt and don't believe that he resurrected but believe he was alive or are you going to believe the 500 people that were there that knew he was alive but also saw him after his resurrection In conclusion today, and I will end shortly here, in conclusion, you must be born again. Your faith rests upon the resurrection of Christ, and it is verified. And let me just give you something today to think about. Look with me into Luke chapter 13, verse 5. In closing today, Ben, would you come? I wish I had time to preach more. I really did. I tried as fast as I could. But I want to end with a few scriptures to think about today. First, I want to speak to those who are not born again, and then I want to speak to those who are born again again. Luke chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now there was some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans who had, uh whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifice. Jesus answered, If you're there, say, I'm there. Look at what he says. He says, And they answered. Jesus answered him, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they were offered this way? I want everybody to look up at me, please. There was a story of an event that happened in Jesus' time. Pilate sacrificed unto his God these Galileans. Could you imagine being sacrificed unto a pagan god? It's a hideous story, is it not? So imagine you're alive. Did you know that there was uh, 12 shootings on Good Friday here in Chicago? One led to a fatality. See, we don't even know. Our city so full of violence. So somebody came to Jesus and said, look at what happened. There was violence here. Pilate sacrificed these Galileans unto his God. Now, when I say this to you, I'm going to say it again. In Chicago, there were 12 shootings and one of them died. Your reaction probably is, those people are sinners shooting each other in games, And they maybe don't deserve to die, but that's what they get for acting like that. Let's be honest. That's what most of us think. When these people heard about Pilate killing Galileans, that's what they thought. They were like, hey, well, if something bad happened to them, they were probably causing trouble with the Roman government. They they probably deserve to be treated as such. But look at what Jesus says back to them. Jesus says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? So he says, Do you think because these guys got treated this way that they're worse than the ones who didn't? Do you think that these hoodlums, gang members who are killing each other are worse than you? Like, do you think you're a better sinner than them because maybe you're not doing the same kind of sin? Because isn't that what sinners think to themselves? I'm a better kind of a sinner. Now look at Jesus' words. I tell you no, verse 3, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. So somebody goes, hey, Jesus, man, there was a murder over here. He says, you think those people were bad or worse than the other ones? Let me tell you something. If you don't repent, you're going to get destroyed too. Whoa. Somebody comes to you on the job. Hey, man, did you hear about all those shootings, all that crazy stuff going on? Yeah, if you don't repent, you will perish too. That's the equivalent. Now let's keep going. Verse 4, or those 18 whom died when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? So there was a tower that fell, 18 people died. And he goes, hey, do you think? You know, like 9-11, how that tower went down. Do you think that those people were worse off in New York than other people who did not die? He's speaking to those who justify themselves. And he says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all, everybody say all, all perish. So just a few seconds here to speak to those who are not born again. If you think to yourself I am not as bad as a sinner as so and so. I will not perish. Jesus says to you repent of your sins or you will perish likewise. Any kind of disaster that you have seen is this a type and shadow of a disaster that Jesus Christ is going to bring. Jesus said this that if you see something happen in this world and you fear a man and you say oh I don't want that to happen to me jesus says don't fear man who only kills your body but fear god who can throw your body and your soul into hell that's what jesus said so everyone here not born again get born again today jesus christ loves you and then let me just read this here to those who are born again how many born again saints do i have here can i hear an amen amen look at first john chapter one this is my last scripture This is my last scripture before my last scripture. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. This is what John, the same man who wrote John 3.16, this is what he said. That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life. Everybody say eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John says what I told you in my gospel about Jesus coming to this world and dying for our sins and Him giving His life for us. He says that is true. He says He is eternal life. So what is the opposite of perishing? That they would not perish but have eternal Life. What is the opposite of perishing? It is life eternal. Come on, what is the opposite of perishing? Life eternal. The Bible says that He wishes we would not perish but have life eternal. And John says, We've seen it and proclaimed it to you. Would you stand to your feet today? In closing, now would you put up John chapter 10, verse 10? Altar workers, would you come, please? We're glad that you came today. We hope that you live for Jesus. I've given my life to preach like this. And I appreciate you being here, but I hope you live it. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're a part of this church, join discipleship. If you're not, find a good church and join discipleship. You can start here. But without Jesus Christ, you will perish. This is what he said in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus speaking, he said, The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What you've heard today is the gospel message. I pray that you accept it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this service. We ask that, Lord, you would be with us now as we go our separate ways, that you would teach us to live for you, to not turn our lives, God, into something that disgusts you, God. You said there's many who know you, claim to know you, but their lives are detestable and disobedient, not fit for any good thing. Lord, I pray that hypocrisy would end in this church, that hypocrisy would end in this nation for those who claim to love you, would live for you. God, you did it that we would not perish. Every head bowed and eyes closed before we leave out of this place, would you search your heart? Would you search your heart and see if you need to, number one, be born again? or to repent of your sins as living as a Christian because you have not been keeping His commands. If that is one of you today, if you are either not born again or you need to be uh, forgiven and get right with God, when we dismiss for worship, I'll ask you to come forward. I hope that you do, but search your heart right now. God, don't let anyone leave here and perish. Without knowing you, Jesus, don't let any Christian God in their conscience leave out here with sin without being grieved, Father. Let them, God, be called to eternal life. Beckon them, Father, to come. Draw your sheep today. And for all those who know they're born again, would you raise your hands with me for 30 seconds and say, Lord, I thank you for abundant life. Help me to live it every day. Help me to live abundantly every single day. God, let me follow your word. You said in 1 John chapter 4, those who are born of God do not keep on sinning because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. Father, I pray that the abundant life of holiness would be ours no excuses father may our hearts burn for you come on a few more moments ask the Lord to set you on fire to be a preacher to this nation ask him to raise up your family as a light in your neighborhood to be a testimony on your job. come on Jesus we thank you for this life you didn't save us by good works but you predestined us by your grace to do these good works we are your workmanship we should be devoted to living a life of faith and works for you, Lord. Do it in Jesus' name. We glorify you today. In the name of Jesus. If you love him, can you say amen? Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you need prayer, we're up here for you. If not, we'll see you next time. If you need prayer for anything, come on. We love you. Worship man, would you take us there? Thank you, Jesus. We glorify the Lamb today that we would not perish but have eternal life. May we live it today, God. May we live it every day of our